If you say I'm in control, and my actions serve to give my life meaning, does it have a meaning if I choose an action? No. Are my goals necessary, or do they just serve as a way to pass the time in an existence that began outside of my control? No. Does it matter? No. If I'm in my body, and you're in yours, yeah. with no way to swap, how could we ever truly be together? Yeah. No matter how hard I press my face into yours, a space remains. So am I alone? Yeah. Yep. If I can't choose to be born, and I'm meant to make my own rules, but I must die, is there a point? No. Yes. If I can make up a point, is it valid? No. Can we all exist with our own set of purposes for living? Yes. Is anyone wrong? No. no. Is wrong even a factor? No. no. Is any reality fixed? No. Will I ever be able to see myself the way others see me? No. Where does my personal bias limit me? Will you judge me for asking? Yes. Yeah. Should I care? No. No. Is it you? No. Is it you? Is it me? Is it me? No. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, this is what I is so great about Japan. <laughs> They're not exactly going to say, no, actually it's a load of bollocks you've heard. <laughs> but that, that's the kind of that's the kind of way we are when people talk about Britain in that way. I'm like, nah shit. You know. but, but that's that's funny, isn't it? Because my yeah. Japanese friends, as one of them, absolutely adores anything to do with with uh, the UK. Right. You know, gets really excited about something British. You know, it's like, oh yeah, this is so British, isn't it, Kevin? And I'm like, well, actually, no, that's a, that's a load of bollocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to break it to you, but yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> British people aren't. Ooh. But it's it, it, it's it's funny how we always classify. Yeah, I'm always saying like typically Norwegian, and it's like, well, what is a typical? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's and and I hate being defined. Well, as a yeah, Brit. yeah, I guess myself too. Um, although, so they say that you'll go through like five years of this kind of like blissful period yeah. before transitioning into like, how could I have been so bloody blind? This society isn't exactly like this, and this is—it's, it, you know, how did like how how was I so oblivious to this? Um, and, then, and then apparently, after another five years, you go full circle back to eh, it's pretty good, really. All things said and done, and I'm not sure where I am. It, it, it okay. So, so that you, you're you're somewhere on that scale then. Oh yeah. Um, I definitely um, know for the first two years, I was, you know, I had kind of like a prolonged honeymoon period. Then it kind of like, it really ebbed and flowed. You know, there were so, some things that yeah. I absolutely love about Japan. There are some things I think, oh God, why is it so bureaucratic? And Oh yeah, of course. And I kind of like arrived at this feeling that, yeah, things get done the way they get done and will always be done that way. Nothing will change. And that's often a really good thing. <laughs> I suppose it's also, I mean, I find this all the time in, in, in Norway, your, your term of reference that you've been hardwired with in your life is a completely different model. Yeah. It's so hard to undo that hardwired DNA. And, and that's why I say I, I kind of like, I get annoyed at being identified as typically British because... I feel I've got more sort of Irish and 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 
other aspects rather than typically british and um but from an outsider perspective yeah. we are we fit we fit the the, the cardboard cut out well it, it's when you when you're not familiar with something it's so much easier to put them in, in in easy categorizations i guess people will naturally want you to actually fit the stereotype that they've got the the slot is open for you to fit well that i suppose because we're we're pattern recognition animals. absolutely yeah we're comfortable so, so we have to create the pattern yeah which is you know that, that that's how i think that, that that's something that i've been thinking about a lot when we talk about identity be it gender sexuality nationality all of these things it's like we're really hindering us in in, in the same way there's a conversation about how just male and female is too too strict a code of of, of things I, i'm starting to wonder when we'll have the conversation that nationality is too binding for kind of humanity I think that's going forward because of our yeah. globalized society on the internet because I, I i when somebody says like what nationality are you i kind of want to have whatever the nationality equivalent is of non-binary and to say i'm not i'm, I'm not norwegian i'm not english i'm not irish do you know what I mean i'm just i'm just me well i think that's kind of like it muddies the water so because people can't actually do what we're naturally, you know, what we've naturally evolved to do, which is to classify. But, no, but nobody likes to be, this is the interesting thing is, it's matter of ease for us to classify people, but nobody likes being classified because we all think we are unique snowflakes, I guess, you know. <laughs> so, so. It's been a while, but I'm sure this has been something addressed in Sapient. It is a fiction. And it's a way in which we organise large groups, isn't it? That, that we have to create um, like legal fiction. Well, the same way algorithms have to categorise us to, in order to sell advertising. So well, welcome to the Christmas special of Two Blokes. It's been a brilliant year. <laughs> it has. I mean, I, th I think 2020 has been the most liberating year ever. <laughs> yeah, it has been in many, many ways. So... Cheers to another great one. <laughs> I keep I keep wondering what what the grand finale of 2020 is because it it literally started all this shit started on the 1st of January, didn't it? Well, I don't know if it really did. I I it, it all started the previous December. <laughs> but we 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 kind of like true, true. <laughs> we were aware of it on the 1st of January. Yeah, it's kind of like um in from from where I'm sitting in Japan, the uh, like people started worrying sort of late January, and then by February people right. were like, "Oh, oh my God, we've got to do something." Yeah, yeah. So as I was saying about uh, people's attitudes changing to to the pandemic, I think maybe around the time of our last podcast was where I was really starting to notice that there's been like a bit of a shift in a few people's attitudes, not everybody, but like there seemed to be more and more people who were just fed up and tired of doing it. And I know that the, the media will like, like to paint a picture of young people being less compliant with our polite requests to wear masks etc 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 and yeah there is a bit of that but there's also quite a lot of stubborn old bastards who are like ah fucking pandemic i'm fucked off with it i'm not going to bloody do it it's my body i think there's more of that. there's 
living in a university town, there hasn't been any students getting it. So, so I'm, I mean, I'm fascinated by how it's spread amongst certain old people and choirs, oh, yeah. funnily enough. Well, I think it's maybe that, like, with young people, they're largely asymptomatic. So you wouldn't know um, a lot of the cases. And I, I, I've always felt that because of my youth, punk, rebellious era of my life, that I w- it would be pretty hypocritical of me to like look down on the young people and go, yeah, you fuckers, <laughs> or whatever. I just can't do it. I'm like, could you could you imagine if Corona had hit during like late seventies, early eighties, during the height of punk? Absolutely no way I would be compliant with anything I was being told. Yeah. It would be, yeah, fuck you. I don't <laughs> give a fuck. I'm going to die anyway. So <laughs> that, that's the thing, isn't it? All of the generations probably being critical of the youth have all been rebellious generations. This is probably the most compliant generation since yeah. the. 30s do you know what i mean so uh, yeah i was just being a, a giant hypocrite if i started wagging my finger at young people um but it's a lot easier for me to wag my finger at old people and go you fuckers <laughs> yeah. you know all my life you've been you've been looking down on me as you bloody youngsters and there you are <laughs> You you probably don't get this in Japan because you've got a a, a sort of strong heritage of wearing masks. But the the thing that I keep seeing people around who like decided to wear a mask because they're vulnerable, but obviously haven't studied any aspect of biology because they're sticking their bloody nose out of the bloody mask. It's just funny you should mention that people that I see just going around don't bother wearing a mask if you don't actually cover your breathing. Yeah, there's there's a fair amount of that. An actual fact. That gets me on to like quite a major event, but I had a panic attack. I know I've I've had one, so my empathy. So so what happened was this was maybe like well, it's a really long story, but basically what happened was I was in a supermarket and there was yeah. a couple doing their shopping, but neither of them were wearing masks, and so right. in that situation, I want to keep my distance, so. Basically, I cut my shopping trip short and went to the checkout to do, to check out my uh, shopping. Basically, after you pay for your shopping, you go over to a kind of bench um, or a shelf and uh, put down your shopping basket and transfer your stuff into a bag. So basically, I paid for my shopping and was... Like, oh, I've got to get out of here. Like, because if that, that couple come, and and was was that kind of like like a really rational? I just need to get away from them, or was it a a, a feeling of kind of walls coming in, or that kind of that 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 sort of slightly claustrophobic feeling? Slightly claustrophobic. So basically, I was doing okay. I was coping. I, I'm like, hey, I've got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, I don't feel I feel claustrophobic, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it isn't because I'm wearing a mask. It's like that yeah. someone else is trying to kill me yeah. and I've got to get out of here because people are stupid and people are trying to kill me. Um, they don't realise how stupid they are. It's going through my mind and I'm putting my shopping into my bag. Yeah, yeah. I look round and they're about one foot away from me and yeah. I entered um, 
what I now know is freeze, fight or flight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I went into flight, um, like basically dropped my bag, screamed and ran out of the supermarket. I ran across a road, oh, yeah. I ran across a road narrowly missing a car and sat across the road shaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I was sitting on the ground crying and shaking for about three Oof. or four minutes. Uh, I just couldn't stop. And it, it, it was that that kind of sensation of just, I suppose in the same way as when 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 anything dangerous happens, that moment of just like, yeah. ah, it's, and, and it is, it is, it's just complete like flight or yeah. switch down. I, I, went, I went into the opposite. I went into a switch down ah. and I was completely right. paralyzed. I thought, I thought I was having well, a heart attack. Well, there, there are three, there are three states. I mean, the, yeah. the famous flight or fight mode is a bit of a fallacy. It's freeze, fight yeah. or flight. I've actually been learning a lot more about that in something else I've been doing that I'll, I'll get to later um, to do with an ex-FBI agent that I'm studying from at the moment. Now, so so there I am, sitting across the road from a Japanese supermarket, crying and shaking and in shock. How, how, how could that happen? What the fuck is that? You knew where you were. There wasn't. You weren't disoriented. Well, well, did you? Did you have a good sense of where you were um, at that point? I was kind of a little bit dazed. Um, I didn't. I. 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 I'm aware that I'm. Uh, I'm aware that I exist, but mm. I'm just trying to. I'm in right. such shock that that I've just yeah. run out of a supermarket screaming and almost got hit by a car. Because I just legged it across a, a busy road. <laughs> well, no, no, but, but of, of course, when 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 you look at it in back on itself, that may you. It's easy to dismiss it as irrational, but at, at that moment in time, if it, it's like someone standing there with a chainsaw, at, do you know what I mean that, that so, response? So basically, once I kind of got my shit together, I went back into the supermarket because I knew I had to get my bag. <laughs> I, I just have this image of you having this almighty scream going out and then coming back like 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 a real brit and saying, sorry sorry everything's everything's fine don't worry about me <laughs> well i i basically yeah. i think knowing that uh it's a supermarket that's not so far from my house yeah um okay that's good yeah yeah that i know most of the people at the checkouts because I talk to them in Japanese, like practice my Japanese, chatting to them while I'm doing my shopping. And I thought, I, I just can't be having this conversation at the moment. I'm kind of like mentally exhausted <laughs> in a way. It's like, yeah. so I just like basically went back in glaring at everybody. You cunts, you absolute fuckers. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to fucking stare at you fucking wankers because you're trying to fucking kill me. And I'll take my bag, and if anyone comes near me, I'm going to fucking do you. All right? <laughs> yeah? You fucking cunts. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did, and nobody came near me. <laughs> 
and I'm a fucking dangerous gaijin. <laughs> the, 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 the body language that you were displaying at that oh, point yeah. to to all your Japanese yes. friends, <laughs> that's that's a real culture yes. difference. You could, you could not uh, um, really make more threatening body language than I, I guess I'm portraying. Um, like, get yeah. the fuck away. Um, so, and then I went home <laughs> and I thought, well, that was interesting. When was the last? When was the last time that's happened? Hmm, I'll come to that. Um, because actually I had kind of like a few visions in my head of the last time I had felt that way. So it turns out, right. once I sat and thought about it, that I had experienced something like this before in my life and I hadn't realised it. I hadn't realised it was a panic attack. The, the the most shocking thing to me was that, hey, I thought I was an absolute master of fear. Having travelled the world skydiving, you'd think, this is someone who really understands fear. And so that was what really confused me. It was like, how the fuck? Right, okay. Yeah. I've, I've been on roller coasters where they take a photo, yeah, me and my girlfriend at the time were on a roller coaster. She's doing the archetypal, archetypal screaming yeah. thing, hands in the air thing, yeah, um, that our audience can't see. But it, she looks damn scared, <laughs> and I look calm as sacred cow. I guess after a few skydives, like stomach going through your head on a roller coaster seems. Mm, okay, you know, like I, I, you know, I spent years doing this kind of adrenaline-rich uh, activity where I would breathe, calm myself, and I would be in total control of my physiology. Um, so going on a roller coaster, I would go, oh, I'd just do the same mental preparation as going skydiving. I'd breathe. I would uh, visualize and like basically walk in the park, no problem. I suppose that's the thing with fear, isn't it? You can you can train it out because it's all about irrationality. So if you if you can reduce the irrationality around something by informing yourself is that do you know I mean like, like you know what you're doing so much with skydiving it's the same with like flying a plane people who fly planes have no fear of flying whereas passengers because oh. we don't have you don't have a clue how, why you're up in Certainly. the air but the more you know about your situation you reduce your fear so you, what you've become good at is managing fear in certain situations well here's the interesting thing it's because um it's because of um me becoming such an expert in understanding fear and I found a way of controlling that fear exactly as you said um, when I'm scared of something I research the fuck out of it because I want to know every fucking detail and the reason that is John as I've discovered on uh, I did a course on anxiety management following this panic attack because it's like right I need to understand anxiety and the big difference between fear and anxiety what do you think hmm. what's the difference yeah yeah fear and anxiety rationality you think rationality 
rationality or, 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 or anxiety is over informed maybe about something like 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 building something up no kind of not um so fear... or not knowing not knowing the situation i guess yeah. yeah yeah so so basically um like what my uh kind of sudden jump into i need to understand the difference between fear and anxiety where um fear is to do with specifics the specifics of something like i'm scared of sharks well rationally yes why are you scared of sharks because they're fucking dangerous when they're big and have sharp teeth and they can eat you um that's a kind of rational fear same as falling out of a plane without a parachute that's kind of scary um yeah <laughs> i wouldn't want that no you'd probably die um, so it's a rational fear, uh, but it is something specific that you can point at. The difference is anxiety is about vagueness, and I didn't know yes. that. So here's something that's really fucking interesting. During a pandemic, yeah, I want to be very well informed. So I start learning everything about the virus, everything about how the virus operates, what I can do. So you're managing your fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm also a bit like an ex-smoker. I've started biohacking. So I want my uh, physiology to be absolutely tip top. So I've learned all about that, what I put in my body and, and what I expose myself to in the air, etc., etc., etc. Now, all of this information with tell me oh kev you're doing something absolutely really really good here but you know like when you watch the news too much your anxiety is raised well well imagine that you've learned so much about how you know your body operates at a cellular level that you're really really well informed about what's going on in the environment around you it means that when people are not behaving as you'd hoped they might your your anxiety is heightened even further you yeah. are like oh shit well you know i can i can do all of this for myself but i can't control everybody else is that person like stupid or are they just naive or what what the fuck's going on why aren't these people hang on a minute i'm not sure that this person's actually trying to kill me or just naive just being an arsehole are they an arsehole is it just me <laughs> um, and and you can see how essentially by being so well informed but yeah with, with the vagueness of not being able to control it yeah the vagueness of not being in control because with skydiving I'm sitting in a plane. I know that everything about my parachute. I know everything about the environment. I know about the weather. I know all the information that's helping me to stay calm. Yeah. Because I've done this before. But I've always been the worst passenger in a car. And the reason why. You're not in control. I'm not yeah. in control. Same, I had a car accident. And ever since that car accident, I've really understood the danger of of uh, 
being inside a car when it's moving. Yeah. Um, it's made me hypersensitive to what's going on. I can drive. I don't have a problem driving. I've been a passenger with you, and I didn't have a problem. I drive like an old man. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's probably yeah. why. That's probably why that even though I, uh, you know, maybe I occasionally have a have a tense. My my body goes tense. Like oh, you should have braked earlier. Oh yeah. Um, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But I always sort of thought, ah, oh, you know, I'm a control freak. You know, with skydiving, I'm a, I'm a, I am a control freak. Well, put me in a pandemic where I can't control other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. in an absolute horrible situation. So you you, you said um, the the having this anxiety attack, you, you realised that it was the same as a previous time. Basically, I I did some research on anxiety and and, and how panic attacks work and, and what what yeah. actually can trigger them because I thought I can't live with this like um, potential for me to have a panic attack because if I go into uh, flight mode, I could end up hitting you know running across a road and getting hit by a car. Um, no, 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 yeah, me. yeah. Conversely, I could end up actually killing someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then I end up in jail. So, yeah, saying I'm sorry, I had a panic attack. That's why I killed someone. Yeah, that's <laughs> that won't probably wash. It probably won't out. wash, and it's not going <laughs> to help me get another visa, is it? <laughs> that would look bad on the visa application. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, just had to murder a couple of people because they weren't wearing masks, and it pissed me off could call it overkill <laughs> you know so kevin uh well it's perfectly rational the fuckers were trying to kill me self-defense with your honor it's worth a shot yeah. it's worth a shot however that's where we get into actually being able to draw a distinction between rational and irrational and i ended up um being reminded of it and i i'm i don't know whether this is like in hindsight I'm remembering that I thought this because of what I was studying. I'm pretty sure that when I was sitting across the road from the supermarket, I recalled the only other time in my life where I felt this feeling. Um, and it happened that I was playing around as a kid and I was trapped in a sleeping bag. Yeah. Like, basically, um, I was told, oh, there's some chocolate at the bottom of your sleeping bag, Kevin. So, of course, like it. Oh, yeah, I know the old trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to the bottom of the sleeping bag to get it, and then the other end of the sleeping bag gets sat on. Yeah. And I start suffocating. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, I can't breathe, and I start having what, at the time, when you're a kid, it's not a panic attack is it it's just i'm having a fucking hissy fit <laughs> that that is your body having a physiological reaction to danger right? oh yeah and and yeah but, but as a kid you you don't you're not able to control your I, I, I don't go i know what and the internet doesn't exist so i couldn't exactly google it <laughs> <laughs> although uh, we didn't have in, the encyclopedias uh, we were considering no, no. Um, but basically, Kevin, Kevin had a hissy fit. 
Kevin had a hissy fit because he's like fucking run off, like yeah. crying. Yeah. <laughs> trying to kill me. Or whatever. He's overreacted. Oh, that's all. He's just overreacted or whatever. But in my little brain, I was trying to be, someone was trying to kill me. Yeah. In my adult brain, I know it was just like kids playing and it was funny and i would do that to someone else myself as well it's not like there's no um malevolence no, but these, these these things they they scar the brain or they, they they put that neural pathway in don't they yeah they lodge themselves in your brain they they they're such yeah. a profound experience that they'll sit there and you won't really think about them you know well it, it, it's it's essentially a mini ptsd because uh, you know i know people think of ptsd as post-war but actually no, no, anything that cause it can cause a traumatic scar in your in your cognitive tissue um so essentially um a lot of um anxiety issues stem from childhood traumas um yeah and this is where i discovered okay so Essentially, what's going on here is my brain, yeah, is making this um, uh, what it believes to be a rational jump from. Okay, I live in a very dangerous world at the moment, and there are dangerous people because they're dangerous because they are naive. If only they knew what I knew. <laughs> If only they knew what I knew, um, then they would not be walking around inside a building without a mask. I'm not so yeah. I'm not so uh, jittery outside buildings. I can kind of like cope. I'd still prefer people to be wearing a mask outside, but I can't control everybody. But inside a building, I would prefer it. I'd feel more comfortable myself. Yeah. Yeah, if everybody was wearing a mask, and so I had to figure out well, what can I do about it, and that's where I came across some um, Miss Doctor Gabor Mate. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, no, absolutely blinding. Um, he does a he does a little experiment with Tim Ferriss, and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's here's something. I'm going to try and do it myself. Now, I've never tried to do this myself, and I'm not Dr. Gabor Mate. But what I thought I would try and do is do this with you, because right. that would explain what I've done. The process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, John, tell me about the last time you were angry with somebody. And it doesn't have to be, you know, anything seedy or... Or anything, you know, you could just tell me about the last time you were angry with someone. I think it was um, somebody who wasn't really listening to me. And yeah, just I can remember feeling just frust frustration. Anger is probably my 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 go to okay. anger, frustration. So frustration is anger. Um, so your feeling was anger. OK, anything else? Just anger or disappointment? Yeah. Yeah, disappointment's a state of mind. Yeah. Okay, but the feeling, were you, you were angry, 
any sadness, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I think I think when it, whenever I get angry, I feel an inner sadness to it. Yeah, because I don't, I, I don't really like being angry. So, 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 why were you angry? It was because I was trying to explain something, and the other person was wasn't really listening to my point of view, mm-hmm. and was kind of, you know, when you're trying to explain something to somebody, and then they keep telling you who you are and what you are back yeah or or they're 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 sort of framing it back so that it it was a a kind of okay but what was it that um made you feel angry because you're telling me what what actually happened okay so what made me angry was was i suppose being kind of frozen out frozen out why were you why why did you feel that you were frozen out because they weren't listening to anything i was saying yeah and so um why do you think they weren't listening to anything you were saying? Because maybe because I was angry. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, you were you were angry as a result, but, but as what, a result, what yeah, was no, no, it but what... that that made you think? Right, this person isn't listening to me. Why? Why? Did, because... Why would that make you angry? Is is the question I'm asking? Why would it? Okay. Why would it make me angry? I think it was. I just felt. Like my voice was being shut down. Okay. And, Why would they do and, that and, to and you? I believe because they didn't want my opinion. And who doesn't want your opinion? Why? Why wouldn't someone want your opinion? I have no idea. <laughs> so, yeah. Or well, you're um, blocking. You're blocking the. The reason why? Um, why wouldn't they? Uh, because they don't value it. You've got it. Why? Why don't they value it? I think because it's it it, it isn't their point of view. Mm. So what you're trying to say is, do they respect you? Yeah, I suppose essentially, if if if, if they don't value or respect you, is what you take so, away. So from the reason yeah. you're angry and sad is because you're thinking this person is 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 disrespecting me and they're not listening to me because they don't value anything I have to say. Yeah? Yeah, and and, and I think... I think there's nothing... For me, nothing worse than kind of being belittled into not having a voice. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is what Dr Gabor... Mate yeah. does at this point in the interview. Yeah. He says usually when he does this um, uh, experiment, um, he's usually got two or three other people in the room, but with Tim, he only had himself and Tim. So I'm going to do exactly what Dr. Mate does and say, okay, now, 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 now give me two or three reasons why this other person may not have been listening to you that weren't because they disrespect you uh, and because they, uh, you know, what else could it have been? It could have been a million things, right? Yeah, you know, there's hundreds of reasons. Okay, can you give me two or three? Uh... They don't understand. Yeah. Like, just literally don't understand okay. what you're saying. Uh, and it could be uh, it doesn't fit 
with their agenda. Okay. It's a you know, politically it doesn't okay. fit, you know. Anything else? They're having a shit day. Uh, they're having a shit day. Yeah. Yeah. They ate something that disagreed with them. Yeah. Uh, dog died. <laughs> dog you know, died. <laughs> a million things, right? A million yeah, things, yeah, yeah. right? Well, here's the thing. Why did we? Why did we jump from? They're not listening to me. Do they disrespect me? I'm feeling angry. But, well, well, that all goes down to, I think, those emotional scars or those shame scars that have happened in childhood okay. at some point in your childhood you've been belittled or at some point in your like, like you were saying with the the sleeping bag you know there are these these things that happened in our developmental cycle that were re- things that happened that were really important okay in in formula so the same way as like some fucked up thing happens to a serial killer that affects the way they yeah. you often in irrational ways i yeah. think you're right I think I think that's also Dr. Gabor Mate's point that um, all of these um, feelings that we have—it's funny, isn't it? How why why do why do we always jump to the worst possible scenario? Yeah, we always arrive at this feeling that this person, yeah, is is um disrespecting me because do i feel that i'm not worthy of respect well no it's that same thing as people who can't find love is only because they believe they're not worthy of love yeah and the, the same thing of people who believe other people are not giving them the required level of respect and value yeah don't believe that they're worth being valued or respected, no? No, no, and I, I think, I mean, I, I can analyse my situation more. I think it's a double whammy because I think I grew up, there was something in my schooling that constantly kept telling me, oh, you're one of those single-parent kids from the estate, therefore you're not worth anything. Because, you know, I went to a fairly... This is... Uh... Yeah, so I, I went to a school that that, that, that was fairly... A lot of privileged kids went to as well, and and but it was a comprehensive. And I had that constantly said to me as a kid at school, not 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 outside of school, thankfully. And then I think later on in life, through work and everything, I got over my own low sense of self-esteem. I got over by becoming responsible and kind of leading people and managing people and all of that. So I think. I had got over that kind of like you're not worthy thing in my head at that point. And there's a, in, in this scenario, because I've then changed and gone to an alien place, that then that takes me right back there. But, and it, it's it's worse because it's almost like you found your self-esteem and you feel like it's gone back to... Do you see what I mean? So really... It's triggers. It's triggers. Well, well, here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, here's, here's the thing, though. Um, what's going on is that um, we don't respond to what is happening. We respond to what we perceive is happening. So if I think about it, in the supermarket, I respond to what I perceive is happening. I perceive someone's trying to kill me. So 
essentially um, uh, how can I how can I uh, prevent myself from feeling that someone's trying to kill me um, when my when my brain will make this jump it's chunk it's chunking isn't it what I actually yeah. did myself and I did this before I um, like figured out um, why I'd done this and I realized that um, well I did a, an anxiety management course um, and I also started learning a lot more about uh, what to do with anxiety problems um, and right. uh, one of the first things I learned was the difference between fear and anxiety and then that having understood that oh um, anxiety is to do with vagueness and f fear is to do with specifics then I suddenly understood why I'm not a good passenger in a car and then I also understood why Remember, like at MMU, we did a thing like management training thing where you're supposed to lean backwards and allow your teammates to catch you. Oh, yeah, they were trusting. Yeah, That's yeah. to do with trust. I couldn't do that. I avoided it. I got out of that yeah, one yeah. somehow. Like, and the reason I don't trust other people, I have to be in control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the, the the you know so so basically, I have to find a way of reframing a challenging situation. This is what uh, Doctor Gabo or Mate goes on about reframing it. So instead of like um, thinking, oh, someone, I, I'm angry because someone isn't listening, and therefore, if they're not listening, it, they they can't be respecting me as a person. They can't value what I have to say, and all these negative feelings is actually to think about yourself as, hey, what what? How would I react if I was the most worthy person in the world, and if I was the person that they are so bloody lucky to actually be spending time with? <laughs> you know it's anything other than anger it's it's like oh you know i'm really sorry for you and then you stop being a victim and then you stop start actually no 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 for sure um doing it and i i think i mean it's interesting there as well because it's something that we hear in society so much now that that you know social anxiety and anxiety anxiety is one of the biggest mental health issues amongst teenagers and so forth and then but what, what i never really hear anyone do i hear lots of people saying it's okay that you have anxiety mm. as in to normalize it and that's good it, it's good to normalize mental health issues anxiety can be no 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 different to being out of breath in a physical health way and you, you learn to deal with it and cope with it but it does bother me that we talk about anxiety so much, but I don't really hear anyone having this conversation about how to manage it. It's very true. And and it's it, we, we we talk about it's normalised that we've given up, we've given into it. We've said, oh oh, well, it must be something that everybody has, and everybody suffers at different levels, and and that and the other, and no one's dealing with it. No one's actually addressing it. Well, I I, I was listening this 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 guy I know. 
uh, Glenn Wool, who's a comedian, he does this bit about, he said, you know, panic attacks. What is a panic attack? He said, well, how do you deal with a panic attack? And he, he was joking about like, it's breathing exercises. He said, you're not the first generation to have panic attacks. You're just the first generation to lose to them. Yeah. And, and I thought that that's slightly unfair and sort of anti-millennial, but I do think in education, in society, we have lost teaching people how to deal with anxiety and the unknown and so, and so forth. So many of these issues, it's no good talking about them if you don't talk about ways of managing them. It's a bit like there's no point in talking about climate disaster if you don't start talking about how to deal with it. Anyway, I've found a way of dealing with my anxiety. Okay, and cool. Works, yeah. And it's worked rather well. Okay. Cool. So any of our listeners, if you're having anxiety issues similar to the ones I've described myself, here's something to try. When you go into um, a supermarket, go on a train, go somewhere inside where your mind says, I hope everybody is wearing a mask, but you fear or maybe you're anxious at the fact that perhaps you can't control it, that someone may not be doing as you had hoped. And therefore, you're going to be feeling anxious, you're going, your anxiety levels are going to rise. There's a way in which you can actually control them. And this is wear two masks. Because psychologically, you are compensating for the person who isn't wearing a mask. Nice. Yeah. So I now wear two masks on the train and two masks in a supermarket. Reason is now it may not actually be, you know, a perfect solution as far as um, these tiny microscopic particles entering my body. But, but it's, it's your coping mechanism. It's my coping yeah, mechanism. Yeah, yeah. And and the and the thing is is that I actually think that some of the information I I've learn is about viral load and that if i'm actually reducing the viral load it could actually be quite healthy for me to have just a little bit of covid so that my immune system recognizes it starts producing t cells to attack it exactly yeah. um, um but but psychologically it's made the difference between someone's trying to kill me Whereas now I'm wearing armor and they cannot hurt me. Um, that I, you're not wearing a mask because for any number of reasons. The, the first reason that comes into my mind is because you're a fucking idiot. But <laughs> as Gabor Mate says, yeah, well, we have to reframe it. Maybe they're just, you know, uh, maybe they they have a mask allergy. Maybe they can't do it. I don't know. Uh, you know, there could be a number of reasons. But I'm jumping to they're trying to fucking kill me because they're fucking stupid. <laughs> and so what have I done? I've said right, okay. Now because I can't 
control what you do as an I can't control what the other does then I am going to do it myself because that puts me back in the driving seat I'm back in control I can do this yeah um and ever since I've been doing that yeah I might you know like get the occasional twinge of oh I wish you oh oh hang on a minute I'm okay it's totally under control again so I thought that was really really quite a helpful thing because it also got me to do this um anxiety management course and I've learned some other techniques like journaling and some yeah, 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 CBT yeah. methods etc etc and then I also um started reading a book oh the dreams of being a child yeah oh yeah yeah and the drama of being a child by alice miller yeah, yeah. the drama of being a child um i think uh, the american title is the uh the drama of the gifted child in fact the first chapter or the first section is the drama of the gifted child um anyway right. i i thought this was a really really good book um right so i asked people I know, had you read this book? Has anyone else read this book? And one person had read this book, and it was my sister. Oh, okay. My sister read it when she was training as a paediatric nurse. It's kind of like on the recommended reading list. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. understanding um, childhood trauma, because um, essentially, um, Trauma isn't the event. Trauma is what's going on inside. Um, you you, yeah. you experience traumatic events, but the actual real trauma is happening inside. Um, it's an internal thing. And there was something in this book about grandiosity that I found bloody enlightening. Because when I think about myself, it's like grandiosity is the opposite of depression. Yeah. Right. So when we think about um, depression, the absolute opposite seems to be um, someone going out to do grandiose things. Yeah. Right. So what is it? Yeah, it's like reverse depression. And I think about, like, we've talked about it before, um, what got me into skydiving. Well, it was kind of fear of depression. I, I'm not going to sit down and, and allow yeah. shit to depress me is it like the mania that you get in bipolar or is it is yeah. it is, yeah yeah because bipolar tends to go like well literally opposite ends of the exactly. pole again. yeah so the grandiose person cannot live without admiration right yeah and they must excel at whatever they do sounds a bit like me <laughs> <laughs> That sounds a bit like me, doesn't it? This is becoming Kevin's Tinder profile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am grandiose. <laughs> Shit. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. Grandiosa is a brand of pizza. It's like a <laughs> national dish. <laughs> so. But it does say, um, beware that if one of these ventures to obtain admiration or to obtain some grandiose goal fails. Yeah then it's, you know, like basically the, the the downside of it is that the catastrophe of depression is imminent. 
oh no. So whenever they're attempting yeah. all these grandiose things, you know, it's like, uh, like now, now without therapy, it's impossible for the grandiose to cut the tragic link between admiration and love. Oh dear. Yeah. Right. He seeks an insatiable amount of admiration, which he can never get enough of, because admiration is not the same as love. It's only a substitute gratification of the primary need for, for respect, being understood, and being taken seriously. Oh, that sounds familiar. That does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it says, often a whole life is devoted to this pursuit. As long as the true need is not felt, the struggle for the symbol of love will continue. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that, that thing that you used to say about being Mr. Toad in his poop poop. <laughs> There's a grandioseness to that. There's yeah. a grandioseness to that. And so so essentially, like this this um panic attack has ended up becoming something that was um, described perfectly by the title of one of uh, Dr. Gabor Mate's books. Its title is When the Body Says No. <laughs> and then I can't yes. really think of a better way of describing my panic attack as, Kevin, you've been kind of getting a little anxious because, you know, and, and then at some point you've broken. The body has said no more of this. Kevin, you've got to deal with this. It's that having your hand in a slowly boiling pot. You don't realise it's suddenly yeah, built that's up. Right. Yeah, yeah, That's right. Exactly. And at some point, the body will actually like, come around and slap you and say, look, what do I have to do to actually wake you up so that you address this issue? Because it is an issue and you're not dealing with it. You're not even addressing its existence. So... No, no, and, and I, th I think what you were saying in terms of managing fear, and I have been told by by a business psychologist once that they, they do these what these psychological profiling of you when you're on these management courses, and one of the things that came up with this is I was incredibly good at dealing with stress, and I was like, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought that was a good thing. And they went, no, that's really dangerous because you are so good at dealing with stress that it will build up in you and kill you. And you won't really, is it because you're, you're, you don't have the mechanisms or the warning systems. Yeah. And I think what you're describing in terms of you've managed, like it maybe I, I managed stress so well and you managed fear mm -hmm. so well that the anxiety is going to come out of both of those yeah, things. Absolutely. Un absolutely. Un unexpectedly. Yeah. So, so in a way, I now reframed. I've reframed that challenging situation, and it's actually become yeah. something that's uh, been advantageous for moving forward and saying, "Okay, so what am I going to do about it?" Well, I did a anxiety management course, and I learned a few useful techniques. Um, forest bathing that I previously done comes yeah. into that it's like oh well i already understand how to do that and that's like uh going to um allow allow me but also um realizing that a lot of um the news feed of donald trump and stuff like that 
also yeah, yeah. feeds in to like oh shit um i get anxious that like other people are misinformed um <laughs> and and my usual go-to of um acquiring knowledge so that i could overcome fear ain't always the answer to overcoming anxiety because you can heighten your anxiety no. more when you know something that the vast majority of people don't know. You know, that, that, that's, that, that's the great story of Forrest Gump, isn't it? That he's so oblivious to so many <laughs> things that he achieves great things. You know? Ignorance is bliss, as they say. Um, you know, and I am kind of jealous in some ways to these ignorant people, but at the same time, I think they're missing a lot of uh, the wonder of being alive. But it, it, I suppose it comes, I mean, it's that same, and, and I know you've been studying this, so it'd be interesting to talk about this. I, I've i always been incredibly good at kind of reading situations, like 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 the the layout of a situation, you know, people and, and, and so forth. And when you go to an alien place, that's completely rebooted. Mm. And so... I think sometimes I get anxious because I can't read things the way I could. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking about actual literature or anything. I'm just, just like the social cues, the, there are so many things that you have no frame of reference anymore. And that was kind of one of my, my skills of being able to kind of read a situation and people and body language. Okay. So, which brings me on to something you've been studying. Yeah. So I've been, uh, for a little while now, I've, I've uh, switched into um, uh, studying body language. Um, now, this all really started years ago. Um, uh, so I would say that when you're teaching uh, very low level beginner students of the English language, and they don't have a lot of language inside of them to output. Really, all you have is body language to pick up on. What are you trying to say? Uh, yeah. You know, like, is this student happy? Is the student comfortable? Is the student upset with me? Read me air. Um, like, so the worst crime you can make in Japan as an English teacher is being KY. I think, have I said KY before? You, 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 you explained yeah. that before. So, yeah, sensing the air. Sensing yeah. the air. So understanding body language is uh, um, kind of like high on the list of skills to obtain. Okay. Yeah. Now, after a few years, uh, two or three years, I went, to the UK and I went to a party. People that I've known for years, yeah, I, I'm not very good at hearing people at parties, to be honest. So, like, I, I don't think my hearing is, is great, but at parties it's imp impossible for me to actually hear people a lot of the time. So basically it's a, oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, all right. Then I could have been saying anything and all I'm doing is going, yeah, right. Yeah. Have another drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've all been yeah, there. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 No, it's like being an extra 
in a film scene that you've been told to blend in in the background and not say too much. He's just going, yeah, 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 nice, but, yes. Basically, I'm I'm this bloke that's been overseas for a few years and he's come back and party and people want to talk to me, yeah. And a lot of the time they're telling me that life's okay, they're doing all right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. yeah. Now, their body language is telling me the absolute opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, and, and I'm reading it. And I've, I, I noticed that I've become really, really, really good at reading people's body language or micro expressions because the Japanese yeah, yeah, yeah. are notorious for being difficult to read where facial expressions are notoriously difficult to read so you yeah. really really hone in on micro expressions in the face when you're teaching english yeah, yeah. so when you go back to the uk <laughs> and i'm not the only person to experience this yeah. as it turns out i think quite a few of my friends in japan have experienced this when they go back to their home country on a trip yeah they notice that the people that they know when they're speaking to them, it could be family, it could be a really good friend or whatever, yeah. what they're saying and what their body language is telling you really conflict. Um, and so we're kind of like, hmm, really? I've never noticed that about this person. Oh. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're really not as friendly as I thought, or 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 um, I hadn't noticed they were such a bullshitter, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. so I felt after that trip that I'd become a little bit like uh, Tim Roth in Lie to Me, to some degree. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. No, I. I... But I've never thought that, I've always thought that lie to me is kind of a little bit like... Overselling. Well, you're, yeah. you're kind of like missing something about body language because body language can tell you when someone's deceiving you or attempting to yeah. deceive you, to block you or, or whether someone's comfortable with you or whatever. But it, it can't tell you the backstory. You know, no. it can't tell you all the details. So you've got to like combine it with a bit of detective work or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. But, but uh, having not been in the UK for a number of years, like I'm not going to know all the details of what's happening with someone's job or, you know, their relationships outside of a party, you know? I can only I can yeah, only yeah, yeah. read the body language of here and now of what that person's communicating to somebody else. Okay, but uh, needless to say, is that I I I thought well, um, uh, why don't I try and become an expert at body language? Okay. So I thought, right, well, I can do a course on, on it. And I've also bought a book by um, uh, ex-FBI guy called uh, Joe Navarro. Um, 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and well, I recognise them. I, I think he's written a few books. He's written maybe. quite a few. Yeah. The more the more I research on body language, his name comes up again and again and again. Um, right. Yeah. The one I've got uh, basically using uh, speed reading people and using it as a superpower. Uh, yeah. Like. And the amount of interesting shit I'm learning in this book is unbelievable. It's like, oh my god, he's so right. Um, that's that's right. Like recently, I don't know. Like basically, there's this. Okay, there's a couple of things I've learned that have been. Oh, that's useful to know, as a, especially as a teacher. Okay, when you're teaching, yeah, like. So what what is it? Well, your arms are kimbo, so they're on your hips, right? Elbows out. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's called arms akimbo, apparently. I didn't know that until the other day. Um, now, think about this. Think about the position of your thumb, right? Okay. So when you're standing with your arms akimbo, with your thumbs pointing backwards and your pinkies pointing forward. Pointing forward, okay, yeah. 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 That stance is basically your mother standing in the kitchen when you are late for dinner. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm, I'm in power here. You're late. Um, I'm upset, I'm angry, yeah, yeah, and, you know, you've disrespected me, I'm the boss, yeah, like, it's, it's, uh, think about the body language when you switch it, so your thumbs are pointing forward and your fingers are pointing backwards. Right, that just seems odd to me, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Well, I don't know if I could actually show you. I'll, I'll kneel so that I can show you the difference. Right. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. I will try and describe this. Okay. That's more like you're almost got a bad back. <laughs> or or you're, you're sort of le leaning in to listen to somebody, whereas the other, other way That's around. That's it. Yeah. If I was standing up, it would have been more obvious. But with your thumbs... Thumbs forward and fingers back. I'm inquisitive. Yes. I I'm interested in what you have to say. Okay, that that position means I'm interested in what you have to say. The opposite is true of the other body position. I'm not interested yeah. in listening to your fucking bullshit. Come on, get changed. Sit down. Lunch is ready or dinner's ready. And I, I've not, I've never looked into this uh, in terms of, I only ever studied body language from a sort of actor perspective. Right. And we were trained to go and observe people just to see what their mannerisms were. So, so, but um, does body language, like every other kind of language, modify with time? So I, I'm just wondering, do those stances, do they exist as much now because of generationally it gets petered well, out somehow? It's an interesting thing. Um, yeah. Like body language is 
much more honest than uh, verbal communication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why is our limbic system is so fast that um, we we react with our body language so quickly we can't actually block it. Yeah, or by the time we've realised, oh, we should block this, it's too late. Someone who's trained to read body language will have already picked up on the tell and said, ah. Well, this is why they used to advocate the what they called the method, because the idea of the method in terms of acting is to get into that state of mind to trick the body to act in, in the well, that, that brings way. me to another one I was studying yesterday, as it happens, which is to do with um, when police officers interview the spouse of a deceased person and yeah. um, the impossibility of actually faking grief where your frown is the full frown with your mouth pointing downwards, the corners of your mouth pointing downwards. It's almost impossible for most people to actually um, produce that face without actually um, imagining the emotion. Therefore, that's why method acting is the only way of actually getting into that character, imagining this really, really... uh, terribly sad um, uh, vision inside your head to actually allow your face to naturally adopt those muscles, you know, to get the limbic system to actually push and pull the muscle systems around your face to actually produce the face of grief. It can't be faked. Um, Therefore, um, it's all right for a method actor to get into character, but um, you know, like it's debatable, but like when talking to a police officer and they suddenly say something about, well, this person's just died or they're dead or whatever for the reaction to happen as quickly as if they really did love the person. Although I, th- I there must be also though grief responses that don't fit that and 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 i don't mean as in yeah you could respond in an abnormal way and it still be grief and it'd be misconstrued it can be misconstrued yeah yeah navarro always points out is that just because someone's displaying the body language that says oh they're deceiving you here yeah, they're de- using deception here. Yeah, doesn't mean to say that we know the details of uh, of the facts, the context of the facts in this situation. And he gives a really good example of uh, such a thing where um, he's interviewing someone who's. Uh, uh, a suspect in some fraud case, um, and and their kind of body language is fairly relaxed early on in the interview. But as the interview is going on, she's like uh, putting up more and more blocks, um, which kind of suggests she's getting anxious. Okay. And her body language is changing, and until such a point that he's thinking, 
she is really, really anxious. And he's trying all these questions that he usually try to pinpoint something that's making her anxious. And uh, she's not actually um, giving him answers that, that uh, can explain why she's anxious. And so eventually he says, look, you, you seem very on edge. Is there something wrong? And she says, yes. Yes, there is. I've only put enough money in the parking meter for two hours. And it's coming up for two hours. That's why she's getting more and more anxious and displaying anxiety. Now, you know, he was thinking, oh, look, I'm answering. I'm, I haven't actually mentioned, and I haven't asked her a question that's to do with putting her on the spot to raise the anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dancing around asking questions, but I'm actually not getting anywhere near the one that she should be anxious. It, it, it's the same as one one of the flaws of particularly American policing when doing stop and search is they always overlook that, that for a person of colour, for instance, the situation is going to be anxiety-inducing because of the amount of people who are innocently killed by police. Therefore, they already are doing the mental math on the likelihood of this going south, which in turn makes them act anxious. And the police training goes, this person's acting anxious. They must have... So sometimes these things become self-fulfilling prophecies. And good good police training would help you identify that and like, like in that questioning thing would know to go, let's just check. Is there something else going on here before you go straight for the, it's the worst case scenario. Yeah. I think, I think what I'm getting out of doing this uh, body language course and um, kind of like studying a few of these other books um, is this idea that it's really going to enhance a lot of different things that I do in in my life like teaching um would be help yeah um but then also um i think last time we spoke i've either almost finished or just about finished my forest bathing course and i i decided that um 2020 hasn't been a great year for learning japanese um like Mm -hmm. But I switched to learning many, many other subjects. Now, I think I've now got eight certificates. Body language will be nine, and I've got a union therapy course that I've done about a quarter of it, and I'm going to hopefully finish that early in the new year. So I'll have, I'll have basically got myself about ten certificates at various different things, like introduction to psychology. Um, like so um not bad really i am such a grandiose fucker <laughs> i've got to have a certificate <laughs> and people have got to admire it <laughs> I've got to... i'm gonna buy you one of those like lordships from scotland for 20 quid yeah, or something yeah. lord, lord, lord richardson, richardson. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but um i thought yeah, so where's this all going? Um, on this uh, union journey to individuation, I suppose, and sort of like being fully whole as a person. 
this has been a really good year for actually getting somewhere in life's journey of what it's all about, what it all means. Having a great pause like that and having a moment of self-reflection is probably good. I think we all need it. I mean, I can do without the panic attack, although, as it turns out, that was kind of fundamental. That that was the body says, no, enough, wake up. Mm. You're going in the wrong direction, Kevin. You're... You, you you think you're an expert to do with fear, but actually you know nothing of anxiety, so wake up and fucking learn about it. So I did, and uh, now now I'm a lot, lot more in kind of like, okay, I know how to deal with this, and, you know. Do you know what, though? Maybe if, if, if the Earth is a body in a sense of an ecosystem and so forth, maybe corona is that body says no to the world just going do you know what we need to just fucking take a step yeah, out here for perhaps, a second perhaps it is yeah as just me being very lyrical oh, <laughs> in my metaphors very, very poetic and profound darling poetic, <laughs> profound, yeah. no but it's true i think i feel like, like that scene in space where he goes you know what i've got some jaffa cakes in my pocket <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know what you mean yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good yeah no no I mean, no, I I think as shit as 2020 is on a whole bunch of stuff, it's certain, I don't know, being forced not to be able to kind of travel around or do certain things. I don't know. It's made me have to have to think about what's important. Okay. That's so much more for myself as well, which actually like, um, might be a good place to stop. Although I would like to have added something about um, Errol Balkan's uh, um, video that was rather interesting. That well, sling that, sling that in, and then that, that's where we'll end on the Aaron Balkan stuff. Because okay. I think that's that, that nice. Okay. So just in, in summary, um, years ago. Um, I used to listen to this man, Errol Balkan, who talked about user experience. Um, yeah. And his story of Little Moo was something that... Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Moo and Big Moo. Yeah, right. the, the, the cards, yeah. Now, yeah. now, this all kind of relates to, um, like, something that made me laugh a lot was when he's telling the story of Little Moo, it's it starts off with him just buying Microsoft Word, um, and when you buy a Microsoft product online and download the um, install file, you receive an email from Microsoft to let you know that you've your purchase was successful. And guess who the email's from? Do not reply at Microsoft.com. <laughs> You've just paid money, but don't you fucking think about replying to me. Because we are fucking Microsoft and you are just some little shit that bought our software. So fuck we are you. this face, faceless entity. Right, fuck off. Right. Don't bother us. We yeah. are. Do not reply. Don't even think about it. Fuck off. Nothing says fuck off as much as an email from do not reply. Yeah. And I thought, that is fucking genius. You've just nailed it. 
like whereas you bought a little new card from this small website where you can buy printed business cards online and you get an email from a little character called little moo who's sweet and cute and lovable and if there's a problem oh you get another email going oh i'm sorry i'm really sorry i'm doing my best etc and you build up this image of this character in your head and like um uh don norman says um beautiful things work better and and that like when something that's a piece of shit like your ugly laptop crashes it's a piece of shit but when your beautiful uh crafted imac crashes then you love it and and it's oh dear i must have done something wrong and and the whole dynamic of the relationship between you and a piece of technology changes um so i was trying to find the story of little moo but it's not a, no longer in existence which is a real shame i i'm gonna have i remember, I remember that very fondly yeah and I think I think it's one of the best stories yeah. of user experience design i've ever heard and i love it and i'm probably going to write to Arrow about it sometime yeah no because i i think those things you taught me about UX design when I was sort of trying to get my head around what it is, you showed me a number of those examples and they were perfect for kind of going, ah, I get it. Like, like cause you, you can go into UX on a sort of very, like, I think a lot of, I see a lot of stuff because it's obviously a growth business. Um, a lot of people talking about all the kind of technical side of it and so forth. And I often feel like, well, where's the thing of beautiful? Yeah, beautiful things work better and delighters and magic. That's right. We, and we all used of these to talk things. about delighters all the time. Well, I watched, I couldn't find Little Moo, but I did find his video on superheroes and villains where yeah. he starts out um, saying something we've heard a few times from various people, which is this um, quote by the author of The Little Prince. Um, that perfection is achieved not when there is nothing left to add, but when there's nothing left to take away. Okay. Yeah. The the essence of design, yeah. right? Yeah. And they, yeah. That yeah. basically, what happens is companies that fail to um, create um, beautiful user experiences are not trying to solve the user's problem, but they're trying to solve their solve their own problem. Um, and yeah. and um, design thinking um, has to trickle down from the very top. You can't have um, a company like one that we both worked for, where the person at the very top um, is not de design minded. It, 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 you won't end up getting it because they don't get it um design and technical side has to be a marriage and that you need a a vision and that that vision then informs everything else ultimately he ends up saying what i thought my god how did i not realize this he says design is about understanding humans yep. And then he lists things such as psychology, philosophy, 
all of these things that we've been talking about this year seem to be related to understanding humans more. But that, but that is the essence of of. It's the essence of create. I, I I was talking to somebody the other day, and 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 the essence of creativity being the desire to understand humanity. And you can't do creative work if you don't understand humans or you don't understand the psychology or philosophy or you don't need to understand them all at a deep deep level but you have to have an affinity with it because if you if you and then you can also have in your life you can have affinity with science and 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 though you know the things aren't and the things aren't mutually exclusive but i find i think there's a, a real loss in society generally, and I, I really blame education. I really don't think education spends enough time understanding humanity at a time when humanity needs to understand itself.
I think the fucking Matrix AI heard me talking. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a really good place to just leave it. Leave them yeah, wanting leave more. Hanging. Leave them wanting more. <laughs> yeah. no, I think that's a good idea. 